Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. What a, what a uh, special day to be here. What a special privilege for us. I said to Ruth driving down from Sydney yesterday, it was a real privilege for us to come to this church at this time. Great time. And so uh, 30 years, wow. Great, great time. It's my fifth time of being in this church. I think about first about 25 years ago, then about 15 years ago, and I don't know, maybe six, three now. <laughs> Is that right? About, um, anyone seen me five times here? Oh, a few people. Great. <laughs> it's my wonderful wife, Ruth. Say hi to these people, Ruth. Hey, good morning. And Big congratulations to you. Congratulations, Shell Hubbard Church. Congratulations, Pastor Shane and Rachel. Congratulations to all the leaders and all of you who've contributed to such a great church. And as Pastor Shane said, the local church really is the hope of the world. And so I love the power of the gospel, the good news. And John chapter 3, verse 16, never, ever forget it. Never think, oh, that's just the gospel. But always allow the truth and the passion of the gospel to touch your life. I really encourage you. For God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that whoever, that's you and me, whoever believes in him, should not perish but have everlasting life. And Jesus said, I have come to give you life to the full. And that life to the full, the overflowing life, it's very practical. This is very real. It's also very spiritual. And I encourage you today to lay hold of the life that Jesus has come to give to us Apply it every day in your life and carry that powerful love of God into your world. And you will find that you live a, a life of great joy, of great fulfillment, of great fruitfulness. And so let's carry the good news wherever we go this week, shall we? And once again, hearty congratulations on your 30-year celebration. God bless Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you, Ruth. Thank you. Well, well. Really want to honor the leaders of the church that have led this church, this great church. I think of Shell Harbor as a great church. I want to honor the leaders that have led it for these last 30 years. David and Jackie having pioneered and planted it. And, and now Shane and Rachel who have took over and steered it and just kept on going and going and going. It's, it's a big deal to lead a church, really. It is. It's a big deal. And, um, but uh, I just really honor, honor these guys here, honor Dave and Jackie for the price they paid. And, you know, it's always great to keep honor in your heart for those that have sown into your life. Never lower yourself that you lose honor out of your heart. Always keep honor. God is the God of honor. So it's great to be here. I love your pastors. I really do. I don't know whether he tore his hair out because he was pastoring or not, but, but, uh, but I love Shane. We have lots of jokes together, really. And, uh, you know, I live in England. Really. We live in Manchester at the moment. We were in Brighton for 22 years, and then we moved up to Manchester. Any people here from Manchester at all? No one here from Manchester. Manchester's the third biggest city of the UK, after London, Birmingham, Manchester. Probably the second biggest city of influence. We have the BBC and ITV television there and things like that. It's really a great, great city. 
Now, the highest university numbers of students in all of Europe go to Manchester. Great, great place. Funny, I was coming down yesterday on the sat-nav, and I couldn't believe it. I laughed on the sat-nav because he was speaking with an Aussie accent. And uh, because really so all our sat-navs in England have British accents on. Got an Aussie, I, was, I was just laughing. I said, is that how they talk? But anyway, that's how I talk anyway. So, <laughs> Sorry, but it's just like, I know I speak an Aussie accent. I've only got to open my mouth over in somewhere. Like, I just got to say, you know, I'd be still in a, in a queue in a restaurant waiting to get served. I'd say, beautiful day outside. And I say, yes, and you're a long way away from home. <laughs> the next thing they say, what are you doing here? I said, didn't come for the weather. I come for you. <laughs> what a, you, don't, you don't go to Britain for the weather. It's like, no, you, well, if you want rain, you do. But anyway, 30-year celebration, 30 years is a special number of years. It's not just another year. A couple of weeks ago, I celebrated a special twice 30, 60 years old. But 30 is a very special number of years. It's a very special time. It's very special in the time of this church. The Bible says in Luke chapter 3, verse 23, now Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age. 30 is the age of spiritual maturity in the scripture and in the Judaic culture of Jesus' time. That's why Jesus didn't start his public ministry until he was 30. Very special year. The age of 30 is which a man would be fully recognized as a rabbi. 30 was the age when the Levites entered into the work, the age when it was lawful for scribes to teach. So 30 is a significant year in, in Jesus' calendar of time. So 30 is a significant time in Jesus' calendar. He came to this earth to do a work. He even knew when he would have been 12. He knew what he was born to do. He knew that when he was in the temple there just... When he went missing from his parents after a few days, they found him. But, but he didn't really get launched until the 30 because of the actual years that were appointed. So when Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, I really kind of feel that 30 is very, very significant because Jesus said, I will build my church. And he has been building his church here in Shell Harbor. Some of you joined the church maybe 30 years ago, 29 years ago. You know how, how long ago you joined this church. You go, I met Michael over here. He joined at the church, joined the church here 30, 15 years ago when I preached here. And, um, but I re, you know, how, when did you join the church? When did you start coming along? When did you come? When did you join the church? What were you doing 30 years ago? What were you, where were you 30 years ago? Where are you today? Today you are here in church, worshiping Jesus at a point of celebration of that church, of this church. So maybe you didn't show your face here 30 years ago. Maybe, maybe your church was not interested. You were not interested in God at all. But over the last 30 years, somewhere, God has captivated your heart. And, and that's what happened to my heart. Ruth and I, just said to Ruth, 30 years ago, we're just about to take over and leave. We're assistant pastor that's in Innisfail, North Queensland. And we're just about to take over as senior pastors of the great Innisfail Church in North Queensland. And then later on, we we're called to go to Britain. But where were you 30 years ago? And to think that God's grace and God's goodness has brought you to this place where you're here in church today at this special occasion of celebration. Isn't God good? Isn't He amazing? Isn't He a good, good God? The Shell Harbor Church. The Shell Harbor Church. You know, 30 years speaks of generational maturity. You have lived through a lot when you're 30. You've seen a lot. You've worked hard for what you have. Your words have more weight and authority. 
You have contributed to the generation above you and the present one of those now being born. When you sit at 30 years of age, you are contributing and, and there's, there's generations being born from your generation and you've given to honour to the generations that are older than you that have been your parents and your uncles and aunts. So it some way sits midway in the generational um, lines is, is the year 30. No longer is it just a, you know, like a, like a young child. It's actually mature. 30-year-old person has more weight, more authority. They're, they're paying taxes. They're, they're doing all the things that there's now. They're now a, an adult carrying responsibility. You know, such is the maturity of the Shell Harbor Church. Like wine is matured. It's not just like being squeezed out of grapes in the last six months and having a go. But it's actually matured over the seasons of decades. It's become mature. I want to say to you that this is a mature church. It's a strong church. It's a mature church. It's got a good taste to it. It's like wine that's been, it's been, it's been, been seasoned been, and it's, been, it's, 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 got, it's, got, it's got flavor to it. I was looking, looking at, your, at all the video there before. And I was thinking this is such a family church. God is interested in families. It's a family church. You know, it's pillars of faith in this congregation have been here for a long time, making room for the next generation. I want to say thank you for your faithfulness. You're one of INC's great churches. I think of great churches across New South Wales, across Australia. I think of INC Church here, of Shell Harbour, as one of those ones that I've had the privilege of visiting so often. And I say this is a great church. You belong to a great church. When I say great church, I'm not talking about the building, which is phenomenal. I'm talking about you. Because the church is really the people. When I first came here 25 years ago, I don't think this building was here. I was meeting in a hall somewhere. But the church was still here. So that's when it wasn't the building. It was actually you. It was some people. Because it's people which are the church. So, so when I say there's greatness and there's pillars in this church, I'm not talking about the posts that hold up the building. I'm talking about you that's held up this move of God for so many years and decades that you've held up this move of God where other people could come under. Because people here carry weight and responsibility like pillars here. Like in the natural building, they carry the weight of the beams. So people in the life of this church for 30 years have carried weight and responsibility across your shoulders. You've carried that responsibility well. Because otherwise the church would not be here today. So thank you so much. You know, I was thinking a bit, a fair bit about this, about Shale Harbour. It's, it's not a huge city like Sydney or Melbourne. It's not a huge city. It's not even a it's not really, I don't think when it became a city, but it's not an ancient city. It's not an old city. And I was thinking a bit about cities and towns. And I was thinking about, it may be a little bit like in Jesus' time, was a little bit like Caesarea on the coast of Israel. It wasn't old like Jerusalem. It wasn't, wasn't as famous as Jerusalem, but it was like a new city that the Romans built. So Shell Harbor is kind of like a new place where, where it's, it's, it's a new place where things are happening. But then I, I want to relate this because there's a guy in the Bible that I've come to really love and appreciate and, and he's a real hero of mine. I think he's amazing and he comes from Caesarea. So maybe there's some heroes here in this place comes from Shell Harbor. The name man of the, I'm talking about is a guy called Cornelius. The entire chapter 10 of the book of Acts, a whole chapter from the first verse to the last verse is about this man's quest for God. It was his quest to know God 
that God would come for his life and his family. There's been people here in this city that over the last 30 years have prayed this church into existence. You know, you don't get anywhere without prayer. People have upheld this, this, this church in prayer. I would dare say that someone even prayed before this church was born that somebody would come and plant a church in this city and in this place. That's what makes way. It makes way in the Spirit. So Cornelius in, the, in this Acts chapter 10, I'm going to relate it to Cornelius because I think they're a bit like Shell Harbor Church. You know, before this time, Acts chapter 10, there was nothing much known about Cornelius, not much record of him. After Acts chapter 10, there's not much about him either. But I look forward one day to get into heaven to see the full impact of Cornelius' life. And I think that every one of us should look one day at getting to heaven and seeing the full impact of your life and the full impact of Shell Harbor Church. Because over the last 30 years, there must have been thousands of people that have come through the doors of this church on their various journeys from coming down here to holidays, working here for a season, coming for a while, doing things at the church, and then disappearing, going somewhere else, wherever. But thousands of people have been touched by God in this place. Only heaven will reveal the full measure of the people and the numbers of people that have been touched. I just think that's amazing. But there's been people here all the time. Wouldn't have been sad one Sunday if everyone, some visitors turned up and there was nobody here. Just up on the door, closed up, gone, finished. Cell Harbor's finished. No, that would have been sad. There's always people here like you with smiling faces to meet them and greet them. And, a, and they needed a home for maybe a few months of their life or a few years of their life. They needed a spiritual home because there was a, a family church that would welcome them in. That's you. I want to say well done. Well done for giving those people, those people that Jesus loves, that you might have wanted them to stay for the next 30 years, but for life's reasons, they only stayed for maybe three months, six months, 12 months, 10 years, and they were moved on somewhere else. But you loved them while they were here. You see, that to me is fantastic. It's really, really important that people, that our churches are a home for people to come to. This is a great home. You know, Cornelius made room for generations to follow Christ. He was the start of a generation. There were no Gentile believers before him. There was no Gentile believers before Cornelius. Cornelius was the start. He was the start. He was a real pioneer. I think of this church as like pioneering something. I think there's many generations that come up in this church and look at the young people here and the children that generations will follow on and flow on and, and that's where it all starts. So I'm just going to read a few things and relate this life of Cornelius and Caesarea to you. Acts chapter 10 verse 1, And there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion. He was called the Italian regiment, a devout man, one who feared God with his whole household, who gave alms and generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in, saying to him, Cornelius. And then he obeyed him, and he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said, Your prayers and your alms have come up as a memorial before God. When I think about, about this church, I think your alms has come up, your giving has come up as a memorial before God. I think your prayers, it's obvious that your prayers have connected with heaven, that your, your, this church has continued on and on and on and on and spoken of well in the community is this church. That to me tells me that you're not just a Sunday church that you come here and do nothing during the week. See, this church is a lighthouse in this city. It's something that's in this city that, that people get touched outside of the walls of this church. 
That's like Cornelius. That's like him. That's like him in Caesarea. He was actually, he, 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 he was known of all over the whole place. You know, Cornelius is an amazing story. I'm not going to go through the whole lot of it, but, but Cornelius had a dream, had a vision. And then Peter had a vision. And there was this, Peter had a vision and he was up at Joppa. And, and, uh, and, and uh, I've been to Israel. I was only over there a few months ago. Been there many times, actually. But to Caesarea, and then there was Caesarea. This side, Joppa here. And they had a dream. And, and they both had dreams. And God brought them together. God had dreams and he brought them together. God had gave, gave Cornelius a dream and he gave, and he gave uh, uh, Peter a dream. And then the story goes, it's a really exciting story, how Peter came and fulfilled the dream and God touched Cornelius' household. I think of that about you. Some people are here and, and then you had a dream. You had a dream. You had a dream to be used by God. You had a dream and, and other people in this church had a dream and the dream came together. And there was a, like a divine connection. I think, I think about churches. Churches are like divine connections where you meet people and, and God's in the middle of the dream. See, see, there's a, see, see God brought Cornelius and Peter together and the, and the, and the household, I'll read a bit more, but touch, but touched by God. Because in the two, there was like this, this two dreams of God came together. This church has got a dream and you've got a dream. And together, you can do a lot. Together, you can do a lot. I'm so glad for the people that have affected my life. And, the, and, the, and, and, and I wouldn't have been where I am if it wasn't for a man like Kevin Dales. You know, you ever, ever had Kevin Dales preach in this church? Never had him preach? Yeah, a long time ago. Kevin Dales is the father, my father in the Lord. He's got the biggest hands of any man on the earth. He's got a hands, the hands that big. Put his hands on your head and he scratches you back at the same time. It's so big. <laughs> I needed a man with big hands to train me. <laughs> so he was a big man. He had a big heart. His heart is as big as anything. Bigger than Farlap's heart. <laughs> big heart. Big heart. Yeah, it's got a big, Kevin's got a big heart for God. And, but I needed a man. And one day when I was in a state of a bit of wandering and I'd been my farm up at north, southeast Queensland had been hit with a hailstorm and I was, I was going into ministry and, and Kevin Dales rang up and said, Ashley, to, to Ruth, it's Ashley, you need somebody to train him. I'd like to train him. What it was, was that phone call, was that divine connection. It was like, that's how it happens. I want to say to you, don't treat those things lightly. Don't treat the, the, the divine connection and the contacts lightly. To me, relationships are really, really special. God gives them. Jesus said, I haven't lost any that you've given me, except Judas. He said, I didn't lose them, the ones the Father gives. The Father gives friends to you. Don't lose that. Don't lose the friends that God gives to you. Amen. Whoa. Amen. Right. You know, Heavenly Father was working in Cornelius' life. Cornelius' spirituality brought divine connection. I think the spirituality of this church brings divine connection. Cornelius was diligent and disciplined in a place of authority there in that place. This is like this church. It's disciplined. Man, you don't achieve all of this and everything like this without being disciplined. You know, it's just, somebody say, oh, well, God will do it. God will do it. God will do it. But you no, know, God's been wanting to do it for years. But it takes people. It takes people that will be disciplined and rise and let's, let's build together like when they built the temple. You know, Cornelius was sincere and reverent to God. I sense in the presence of God and the anointing here, the Bible, that, that there's such a reverence for the presence of God. 
you know, that's what, it's, it's, it's God. I'm, I was actually standing here before in the worship time and I really sensed that, that God wants to come in His glory and His presence in this place, in this church, in, in, in an amazing way. Just like when Solomon prayed and the temple was filled with the glory of God. So God wants to fill this place in your heart afresh with the glory of God. Let's have a hunger for that glory to touch our lives and His presence and His power. That's what's changed my life over and over again is having encounters with the presence of God. Cornelius, like I said, the Bible says he was a giver of finances. He was a man of prayer. I want to thank the people of this church. I want to thank the prayers that for 30 years that you have prayed and you have prayed and you have prayed. You prayed for the pastors. You prayed for the outreachers. You prayed for the church. You prayed for the Sundays. Thank you for praying for the prayers. Please keep praying. Never give up. I, I haven't got to have a list to say who you are because Jesus knows who you are. He knows who you are. I want to say pray. Be a believer in prayer. Lift up your leaders in prayer. Lift up Shane and Rachel in prayer and the other leaders in the church and at work. You know, some people come to church. I know this. this is, I know some people just come to church. They come because it's like, a, it's like a, they like the light. The light's preached. Jesus preached. It's easy. That's nice. Some people come to church, it's like, a, oh, they come because of the warmth of the flames. There's warmth in the place. I feel loved in the place. But other people come to tend the wick that the flame would burn brighter. I want to say to every one of you, be like that because there's many of you in this place that that's what you have done. You haven't only just come because the light's in the house. You haven't only just come because the warmth's in the house. But you've come to tend the wick week after week after week. And I want to say well done to those who have trimmed the wick to make the flame burn brighter here in Shell Harbor. Amen. You know, the Bible says that Cornelius' prayers went up as, as a, to God as a memorial. You know, memorials. I was thinking about memorials. It says it came as a memorial. Memorials. They come up as a memorial to God. Memorial. His, his prayers and His giving. Can I put it to you, great Shell Harbor Church, that more than likely, I'm not saying this because Jesus hasn't told me this, but but your, that your giving and your prayers come up as a memorial to God. What would it be like? Because it was for Cornelius. God is walking down heaven. You know, we've all walked down streets and we've stopped and paused and looked at a memorial. We've walked and stopped and looked at a war memorial, looked at the different names of people, maybe from the First World War, Second World War, or, or some memorial that has been made in your town. And, and God, the Bible says that his, his giving and his prayers came up as a memorial. That God is walking along in heaven and he just pauses to read the memorial of Cornelius' life. Comes up as a memorial. As the Bible says, it came up as a memorial to God. Like, like you walking down the street, God's walking down heaven and pauses to look at the work and the heart of this man. I would dare say that is the case for this church at Shell Harbor. There's that God pauses to look at the, at the memorial that has been created over years of giving and prayer. Giving and helping countries beyond the even churches far beyond this place here. And the Bible says, and just go on quickly and then pull it together. Cornelius, the centurion, was a just man, verse 22. One who feared God had a good reputation among all the nation of Jews. It goes down there in verse 24. In the following day, they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius, this is what I like about Cornelius. And this is what I think because I think about Shell Harbor Church. Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. 
and Peter was coming in. Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet. So Peter's there. Cornelius has a vision. He has a vision to send some people to go get Peter. He had never met Peter before because Cornelius was a Gentile and Peter's a Jew. Jews didn't have much dealings with Gentiles. Peter's over here and he's, he, he has this vision about something coming down the tent and, and God says that, you know, um, don't, don't call anything sacred. Um, it's not, you know, it's, you know, he has a vision. So, so, so he, and then, and Peter heads off. So it's about two days, about, about two day journey by walking from Joppa to, to Caesarea. But this guy, this guy Cornelius has gathered all of his family and friends in his house. He has gathered them all in the house because he expects there's something going to happen when Peter hits the house. I like this. I really do. You know, I said before, you're a family church. I think Cornelius was a real family man. He is a family man. I, many times I ask people, I haven't asked anyone here, but I ask this regularly. People come up to me, introduce me. I say, oh, who's your best friend? And sometimes they always tell me who's their best friend. And then my next question is usually, oh, how long have you known them? Sometimes they might say six months. I think, oh, okay, right. Okay, that's the sort of person you are. Because friends aren't made in six months. Contacts are made in six months. Friends are made over 20 or 30 years. Over 10, 20, 30 years, that's when real friends are made. Because that actually, you know, contacts are made. It takes time to build a friend. And when I think this is a family church, it's because you're so interwoven together. Your relationships are so interwoven. Cornelius was a man who had family and friends all around his place. And he said, look, I've had a dream that well, I've sent my servants over to get Peter. He's a Jewish guy, but, uh, but don't worry about that. He's going to come over here. Something's going to happen. For two days, these, well, actually more than that because they had to get over there. About three days, they're waiting and waiting and waiting. Man, they're probably sleeping on the lounge and sleeping everywhere around. And, 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 and Cornelius is just praying and praying and praying and praying and praying, knowing that God's going to come and touch my family. See, that's what I think about this church. You've gathered here today. Some of you, maybe a few visitors come back. Maybe you attended this church 10 years ago. You just come back for this special reunion. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for honoring the church and all that this church means. It's a bit like Cornelius. There was faith in Cornelius' house. There was an excitement in the house that God was going to do something amazing. They weren't just talking about the furniture and the, the architecture that Ro the Romans had built there in that place. They weren't just talking about the building and everything like that and, and about the, the poppers that were on the floor. <laughs> but they're actually so interested in the people, the people and God, that God was going to touch us. Let us be as a church shall harbor, that will have a passion and a real passion for each other and for God. Because when Peter arrived at Cornelius' house, it was like, a, it was like a, an atmosphere of a, of a cooker. <laughs> we call them cookers in England, a stove, you haven't called them cookers here? No, no. They went to, I, I did you knew, find all new language when I went to England. You mean language? I had to come back here. I don't even know what bush is over there. I don't even know what bush is, man. That bush is bush. But, uh, anyway, so, so it's like a, a stove that's been got the, the gas on it. And the gas is just coming out. And, and you think, you know, we've all done it, turned it on. And, you, and it's going, it's not firing to, 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 to light up. You think, man, if this doesn't go in soon, I'm not going to have any hair when this goes. It's going to go. It's going to be an explosion. Oh, sorry. It's going to, 
It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna. I didn't mean that. It's gonna, it's gonna go. You know, you you light the, and all of a sudden you think, man, this is gonna have to fire because the gas is filling up the house. I'm sure we've all thought that at some time. You know, that's what it was like in Cornelius's house. Once Peter walked in, Peter was the touch of heaven, the flame of God, and Cornelius had built this incredible atmosphere of faith that was there, an expectancy, a wondering, what was going to happen? What are you going to do, God? I want to say, shall harbor, this is not the end. This is only, this is only just, is it midway? I don't know how far midway is. Maybe it's midway to the journey that's ahead for the next 30, 40 years. But to have an atmosphere with the same expectancy of when this church began, the same expectancy of what was here 10 years, 8 years ago, 6 years ago, that there would be an expectancy within our hearts that, God, you're going to do something in this place. Because you know something, Cornelius was there with his children. He was there probably there, I don't know how he was, maybe he was there with his grandchildren because he says his family and friends. You know, Cornelius was a Roman. How long he was there for, I don't know. Then he would have just went. Where would happen to his children? They were touched in that house. They were touched and saw the outpouring first come upon the Gentiles. Was there in that place. Little children were there. When all of a sudden the Holy Spirit broke out, people are praying in tongues, happened in his house. What happened to those boys? What happened to those girls? Maybe went back to Rome, went around the Roman Empire. Maybe some of them started, hey? Maybe some of them started churches, whatever, become church leaders, runs Romans. We don't know those things. But heaven will reveal them to us. And I want to say to you, Shell Harbour, we don't know a lot of things. All the stories and everything, what has happened and what God has done. But God does work through relationships. God works through relationships. And I want to say to every one of you, treasure the relationships that you have in this church. They're God relationships. They're divine relationships. Because otherwise you isolate yourself and, and then you become a lesser person and we all become lesser. Together we can do great things. Together we can do great things. Cornelius, who goes down to me, is one of the greatest characters in the Bible. Caesarea was just a modern new town, a modern new place. Shell Harbor, a modern new place. Cornelius, was he like Peter? James, John, Paul, one of the great apostles. Now, you don't really think about whether he was one of the greatest ones, but I think heaven will tell us how great he really was. And that's why I want to say to you, don't just look in natural eyes. I tell you, these are great, these are great church and these are great pastors that you have got here. I have traveled the planet, Shane Cook, Rachel Cook. I have traveled, I have traveled and traveled and traveled and traveled. I have traveled so much with my, in my life. I don't know why I travel so much. I just travel, man. I'm back here in Australia in July, and bet between then, I've got to go to where I've got to go. I didn't even know where I've got to go. I've got to go to Thailand for a conference. I've got to go to Ukraine the next couple of weeks after that. Then I've got to go to Bulgaria a couple of weeks. After then I've got to go back to England, back to there, back to England, back probably to Serbia, and then back here in July to a conference for, for INC. But you know something? I see greatness within you, Shane and Rachel. You are truly great pastors. There's greatness that is in your life. And sometimes we can think, well, oh, what would it be like to be in a church with Peter? What would it be like in a church with Paul? What would be church? 
But you know, Cornelius, he was amazing. There was something very special. And there's something very unique that's special in you, like Cornelius. In this, in this new city, Shell Harbor, in this new place, Caesarea, I want to say to you, read the book of Acts chapter 10, the chapter, and relate that to your life. Because when I think about it, I think about you guys, and I think about this church. And I think about the family and friends of this family church that has come and gets touched. And time will tell and heaven will tell how many people have come and been touched in this church. How many more generations will come and be touched? I'm so thankful that my mother looked after me and took me to a church. And my dad was backslidden when I was born and didn't go to church at that time. And my mother took me to a church to get me dedicated to the Lord and drove 100 miles to present me in a church to get me dedicated to the Lord because my dad was not then walking with God. By the time when I got to about 14, 15, my dad had recommitted his life to the Lord and was going to church prayer meetings and church every Sunday. But, but sometimes, some, you know, I was so thankful that in my early years that I had a mother that looked after me and made sure I came to church. Make sure that you're there to greet the people. Make sure you're there to treat everybody so special because we're creating memories for them, just like it was for me. Memories for people to hang on to throughout their life. And when the difficult time comes, we always need friends. You never want to face, be alone when you have difficult times. Always be together with friends. I want to pray for you today. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this church. I thank you for this great church. I thank you, God, for the families and friends that are in this church today. I thank you, Lord, for the last 30 years that you have gathered people together under your banner, under your name, here in Shell Harbor. God, I thank you, Lord, for what you have done over these 30 years. I thank you for the thousands and thousands and thousands that have come through the doors of these ch this church. And my God, I pray that wherever those thousands are today, wherever they are, I pray that you would touch them afresh and let them know that they're important. My God, I pray that you'd raise up people in this church that will affect this whole community. My God, I thank you, Lord. Lord, raise up, raise up leaders, raise up people, Lord. My God, I pray for your glory and your presence that will remain in this building, in this church, in these people. I pray, Lord, that you would never remove the candlestick of your grace, of your fire, of your presence. My God, the pillar of your flame, of your grace is in this house. My God, I thank you, Lord. Lord, let it burn brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. Lord, I speak into that flame today. I speak into that flame. And I say, Lord, let the flame burn brighter and brighter and brighter in this community. My God, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, God. I wonder, I just want to just pray if there's anyone here today that you have, just keep your head bowed just for a moment. Anyone here today and you come as a special uh, friend or you've come because this is a special day. Uh, we're going to have a barbecue soon. That's going to be fun. But just before we close, I want to ask you, is there anyone here today that you have never given your life to Jesus Christ? You've never made a decision and said, yes, Lord Jesus, I want to give my life to you. I did that when I was 14. I've led people to the Lord, from some from like three-year-old up to 90-year-old. The important thing is that you must do it at some time. To give your life to Jesus Christ. To surrender to him. Is there anyone? Just raise your hand. 
Just raise your hand where you are. I'd love to pray for you. Is there anyone? Is there anyone here? Just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Is there anybody? Is there anyone here that you have never given your life to Jesus Christ? You know, thousands of people are around the world giving their lives to Christ every day. Every day. Every day. Anybody at all? Wow. Well, Father, I pray your blessing upon every person. I pray, God, that this will be a really a great soul-winning church. And many people will have their lives impacted in this place. My God, I pray over, over Shane and Rachel, and I pray your blessings and your grace. I pray fresh oil of heaven that would flow from heaven, just like, my God, flowing from the dew of Mount Hermon. I pray like the oil of heaven would flow over Shane and Rachel's life. My God, I thank you for great blessings. My God, I thank you for a new oil, the oil of heaven. My God, I see oil flowing through Shane's life. You know, Shane, there's different sorts of oil. There's two-stroke oil, four-stroke oil, oil for tractors, oil for big machinery. But God says, and the inside of you is some very, very good oil. My God, I thank you for the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you, everyone. God bless you.